Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 61. We've got Chip Nellinger from Blue Reef Agri-Marketing on. We're going to talk about some stuff that's happening in the commodity markets right now. Uh, I also have uh, Regina Nardis with me as well. And we're going to hit the high-level stuff that's going on out in the market right now. So, Chip, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks uh, for having me back, Casey. No, I appreciate it, man. So, um, been watching the market. So it looks like wheat has been actually showing some signs of life. So... How's the wheat market shaping up uh, from what you're seeing out there? Yeah, well, there's a lot has happened since the last time we talked here. Uh, a lot of it's weather-related, so obviously the wheat market uh, has had a heck of a rally, and that's driven by uh, you know dry weather in uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas. So there's a lot of those areas that haven't had rain in 140-plus days, so it's getting a little bit critical for them. Uh, the, the issue with the wheat market, though, as we've talked about a long time um, here, it seems like, is that it's just oversupplied in the world. There's plenty of supply in the world. Um, so it, it, there's probably, it's not like we can rally wheat, you know, three more bucks, but it is good to see some, uh, some life in the wheat market. There's a lot of old crop wheat um, that is still out there unpriced. So, you know, you notice the last few days, we've kind of relaxed back from, from these highs because the rally has uh, kind of uncovered, um, you know, some better farmer selling, and that kind of hangs over the market. So uh, way better than it looked, uh, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, I would say that in a short run, there there probably is some additional uh, upside potential in, in this wheat. You know, maybe you could push us closer to five and a half um, on, like, Chicago wheat, uh, and that would that would maybe get you up in the 580-ish uh, range on new crop Kansas City wheat. Um, there is a little bit of rain in the forecast, though, for parts of those dry areas of Kansas and Oklahoma uh, here a week or so out. So we'll have to watch that. Um, the market will really respond to that. Whether they get rain or not, you'll definitely see that reflected in the prices. So it could get really volatile here um, in the next uh, couple weeks. The customers that you deal with that are in that wheat belt area, like how many of them said, you know, our wheat crop didn't come up. We don't have any wheat to, to speak of. Um, I mean, kind of what's the feel that you're hearing from, from the areas that you cover? Yeah, so a little bit of everything. So fr- from that point that you said um, to where, you know, rain may not even matter. There's just going to be, there's definitely going to be lower production than a year ago. And, and there are some crop problems. But then, you know, it depends. The further uh, west you get, there, there's still a chance. If they could get some rain here in the next, um, you know, two to four weeks, it would definitely benefit it. So, you know, that's hard. That's what the market's trying to figure out here is how much production have we lost out of Kansas and Oklahoma? And, um, you know, if it rains, how much will that help? And, and that's what leads to a lot of volatility and opportunity. So it, your question is exactly what the market is trying to figure out. Right. So now when we look at the corn and soybean market, you know, every day, last couple of weeks here, it looks like there's been some volatility there like usual, but there's been a lot more up and down uh, or a lot more up and it seems to be down. So talk to me about what you see happening in that market and how is that shaping up uh, headed into uh, planting season where we're at, and there are some parts of the corn belt that are in a uh, pretty dry spell right now. Yeah, for sure. So that's a that's a very much a weather market as well. Uh, I'm talking beans right now. Argentina is in the middle of a drought, probably the worst drought they've had um, in in many many years. Um, 
that's what's kind of driving the, the market. So we talked about the, the wheat market is trying to figure out how much yield loss is, is coming out of the plains. The bean market is trying to figure out just how much has Argentina been hurt on yield production. Uh, again, uh, uh, always these weather markets, there's, there's always this little hint of rain. So uh, upcoming here in the next week or so, there are some slightly better chances of some scattered rainfall in Argentina. You know, but again, you know, it's, it's back to that question. Uh, there's definitely been yield loss. It's, it's not a question of if they've been hurt, it's how much. And, um, you know, how much will rain even help at this point? It, it may not even help. Um, some of the, some of the uh, area in, in Argentina has just literally been so dry. They're six to as much as 12 inches below average on rainfall for this season. So it's, it's a real deal down there. But like the wheat market, even the Argentine farmer has some old crop beans left. The Brazil farmer has a good crop coming, not record probably, but good. They have some old crop beans left. The U.S. farmer has old crop beans left. So we're not going to run out of beans anytime soon, but there is a, a problem, a production problem in Argentina. So that's what the market's trying to figure out. Is it going to rain and how much? Um, if it doesn't rain within the next couple of weeks, it's probably going to be too little too late for Argentina. But in the same breath on this rally, it's really got new crop beans, you know, up knocking on the door at 1050 on the November futures. And the producers we talked to um, it probably leads lead us to believe that we're going to, it's going to be very easy to pick up bean acres this spring. So that is, uh, you know, a little give and take there. It's probably an opportunity um, to do something to manage price risk, whether that's make some new crop sales. There's some put strategies a, a guy could do out there to, to lock in something north of a $10 November futures floor. It, it's an opportunity. So, you know, everybody, guys in Iowa every year, they want Illinois to have a drought, and guys in Illinois want Iowa to have a drought. Well, Argentina's having the drought, so it's given us a, this, this nice boost in, in corn and beans both. Okay. There's been a lot of talk in the political realm um, with the RFS and ethanol credits. How is the market, is the market really paying attention to that, or what's kind of the reaction there to all that political talk? Yes, so that's a great question. Um, they are definitely paying attention. I think right now they're taking a, a um, the path that until something changes, uh, until we have some a solid answer on this, and and they do change the 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 Ren uh, issue is the biggest thing here. Um, we're we're just going to kind of wait and see. But if they did come out and actually officially announce hey, we're, yes, we're going to change the REN program, which is kind of a backdoor way of actually changing the renewable fuel standard. Um, that would be something that hit the corn market fairly hard because demand is really, really strong right now. All right. Well, we'll move on from that a little bit. Um, let's talk about the WASD report that comes out tomorrow, right? Has, it seems like maybe the, mark, or the, the markets are already kind of anticipating that and starting to move here a little bit in the last couple of days. Yes, uh, we, we do have the March crop report um, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, at 11 um, uh, Central. So the biggest thing there probably is going to be what the USDA does on the South American uh, production numbers, uh, particularly Argentina. And domestically, I personally, I wouldn't expect many changes on the corn side of the equation. Uh, last month, USDA uh, gave us a big increase in um, exports by $125 million. So they probably, and, and ethanol and feed demand are already pretty high. So 
it wouldn't shock me if the corn side is just pretty well unchanged and maybe a couple tweaks on the South American production. The bean side of the equation, uh, there's maybe a little bit of talk that our bean exports have fallen a little bit behind. Maybe they could lower um, our old crop bean exports. At the same time, they're definitely going to drop Argentina's bean production. That might be the biggest issue of the whole report is how far do they cut the Argentine bean crop. Um, Wheat shouldn't be a big deal either. you know, because that's more of a world situation there. So all in all, there shouldn't be any major surprises, but we are set up though, because we've rallied for kind of that, um, you know, buy the rumor, sell the fact type thing. So even if we get a good cut in Argentina bean production, if our bean carryout goes up just a touch, we're probably set uh, maybe for a little bit of a, of a disappointment there and wouldn't, wouldn't shock me to see the market uh, maybe set back after that report. But it's always a wild card whenever you, you know, nobody can predict what the USDA is going to officially say. How is the overall livestock markets doing right now? Well, we've seen a little bit of pressure on the, on the livestock markets, um, cattle and hogs both. So the cash, I'll start with cattle. The cash market has come off the highs from two or three weeks ago. Um, it's still trading in the mid 120s. I think the most recent trade earlier this week was 126. So that's still pretty good money. Um, and, and any cattle on feed right now um, are, are still pretty profitable. The problem is the markets, uh, the, you look at the defers, like June, uh, April live cattle right now, 123 and a half. The Junes are 115. So the last seven cattle on feed reports are showing bigger and bigger numbers every time. There's more and more cattle on feed. So we know that out in front of us several months here, out in the summer and and fall, uh, there's a lot of cattle coming. Demand's been very good, but we're starting to kind of hit that transition point where um, we're going to start seeing more and more numbers, and that will kind of curtail a potential upside here. So... um, you know, it's not the end of the world. So, so cattle have come off the highs. The hog market um, had some weird highs here. You know, we we had uh, a month and a half, two months ago, the the, the hog market was, um, you know, way higher than it is now, and and that seasonally wouldn't happen. Uh, hog market has been going through expansion for the last three years, so you know, they, so far that has held together, and the demand's been very good there as well. But, um, you know, we've seen uh, better days here uh, in the past couple months than what hogs and cattle are currently looking at. I I do think, though, that as you get into summer, hogs could probably stabilize and bounce back. Um, I'm not convinced that cattle don't maybe have one more push higher um, to give guys an opportunity to to manage some risk there and and lock in some some higher levels than where we're at today. Weather, there's been a lot of... uh really cold nor'easters one right after another it seems like go through the northeast so there's got to be some pressure on on the market when you start looking at uh, natural gas and, and heating oil how's that stuff looking yeah so um you know i, I think there's a lot of um, um interrelatedness now with a lot of these markets so the stock market has has had a lot of volatility but you know still struggles to to hold the gains and like right now as we're talking the stock market's down about 300 so that's spilled over i think actually going back to livestock i think that's been something that maybe has um you know kept the livestock market cattle in particular um maybe held back a little bit 
And it's also spilled over and, and drug like crude oil off the highs as well. So, you know, there, it's hard. Um, the, the demand side of that with, with storms and winter weather creates a lot of, you know, short run supply and demand swings on especially heating oil and natural gas. But in a general perspective, we've come off the highs uh, in the energy markets. I think some of that's because, number one, we rallied so far, like in crude oil, we were up knocking on the door $70 a few weeks ago. And in the same breath, you know, that brings in extra supply and, and we can ramp supply up quicker than we ever have been able to in crude oil. So it, it, it's been good. That rally has been good um, from, from the oil production standpoint for ethanol margins. But, um, you know, I, I'm a little leery that maybe we haven't seen the last of the selling pressure in the stock market. And, and that would definitely spill over and, and probably drag our energy markets uh, for sure. Cattle. Cattle in the stock market are usually pretty highly correlated, and it wouldn't do the grain markets any favor either if we, uh, um, you know, put a big a big drop in the stock market here over the next month. So this might be a, a kind of a basic question, but um, there's a lot of people that work in the agribusiness realm of things, and can you maybe explain a little bit about the funds and when um, a grain marketer talks about the funds moving into this or that, what that really actually means? Yeah, that's that's a great a great question, and it, and it it is not simple. Um, it, so, funds traditionally there's um, the the market's kind of split up into different segments, right? So you've got the commercials um, in, in the grain market, like the ADMs, the the bungies, the Cargills of the world, um, you know, that actually use buy grain and use grain. Um, you've got the, the farmer and, and the small speculator in there as well. And then the funds. So the funds have a tremendous amount of money. They are making, um, investments or, or bets, if you want to call it that on whether, uh, corn, beans, cocoa, coffee, you know, whatever hogs, cattle are going to go higher or going to go lower. They'll, they'll be long the market or they'll buy the market if they think, um, that any particular uh, market's going to go higher. And they'll sell or be short the market if they think that uh, that market is going to go lower. And they, some of these funds control, you know, hundreds of millions, if not a, a billion, two billion dollars. So they're not putting all that money in one market, but they'll split up and diversify their, their risk. Well, if you have a fund out there that's trading, you know, five hundred million dollars, um, they may only have, uh, you know, five percent of it that they want to put into the corn market, say. Well, that, that 5% still has a lot of money, and they use leverage. So that, big, that bigger money, that fund money, can really drive the market um, because they don't th – those types of funds with that much money, they're not looking for, you know, to, to buy corn at 420 and get out at um, 428. They're not looking for a five-cent move. They're in it for the longer uh, moves. And so that money can really move, move the market and, and the – you know, you, you kind of look for extremes at the lows, the, the, the funds were getting, they were record short beans. They were getting close to a record short uh, position in corn. So you can kind of use those extremes to kind of say, all right, is there, is there some room that if the funds decide to exit their position um, and start buying those back and, and then, you know, like they are now, now they're going net long um, making bets that the market's going to continue to go higher, that will move the market in, in big chunks like we've seen. 30, 40, 50 cents in corn, you know, dollar in beans. 
And uh, so right now, net net, the funds, uh, speculative um, investors uh, have um, bought a lot of corn. Probably uh, they were short over 200,000 contracts at one point. They're long over 100,000 now. So, uh, you know, that's over the course of the last six weeks. So that's um, by my poor math, uh, 1.6 billion bushels of corn they bought in six weeks time. They probably bought about the same in beans, 300,000 contracts, give or take. So they, that type of money will, will definitely move the market. And then there's a secondary um, set of, of, of funds. So there, there's the, um, that's the traditional fund. They'll go long or short. It, it doesn't matter. There's also the index fund. And, and that's more of a diversification um, you know, you might have investment advisors that say, hey, we think you should be 60% stocks and 20% bonds and uh, 5% metals and 5% commodities, um, just to own that. So the index funds will be long only. They only buy. They'll get out to exit, but they'll only buy. They, they're only looking for diversification. And so eventually, um, the hope is, and I think you probably already started to see a little bit of this, with the stock market selling off, uh, or at least finding hints that, hey, maybe the stock market's not going to go up every single day and single week like it has, um, that could have a little bit of, uh, of money flowing out of the stock market and back into commodities as a diversification. So, and I think you've seen that to some extent. Sometimes that takes you know, three to six months. It takes a quarter or two to get that money flowing out of the stock market. Um, that's the hope that maybe there's some of that money flow coming in from the index funds, which is different from the traditional fund we spoke about earlier. Okay, export markets, real quick on that. How has uh, how's export sales been? And how I know we're in a somewhat of a, a piss and match with China on on whether we're gonna they're gonna buy our stuff or not, our ag economy stuff or not. So, what do you see happening in, in the export market, and how's that shaping the marketplace? Well, probably the biggest story there is the corn market. Um, you know, three months ago, it was like we couldn't give corn away. Um, and then for the last eight weeks in a row, man, we are with corn sales, export sales are just on fire. They're, they're massive. So we continue. Um, that's a good, a good thing. Part of that's the drop in the dollar. Part of that is now we're the only some of these other areas like the Black Sea, and um, Brazil, you know, they're kind of out of corn now. And, and Brazil's second crop of corn um, is a little bit, you know, they think that we're going to be a lower yield or lower production in Brazil than before. So end you, it just got cheap enough that end users are starting to just say, hey, let's just buy corn. So that's, uh, and it's been U.S. corn because we're the only place you can really get corn. That's been the bright spot is the corn market. Bean export sales, we're, we're always competing with South America. We're always competing with, with Argentina. Obviously, Argentina's drought is going to curtail that a little bit. Um, but bean export sales, based on the USDA projections, have been falling a little bit short. And that's why maybe on tomorrow's report, you could see maybe just another small cut in export projections. We've been falling a little bit short on beans. Wheat is just abysmal. That's the problem with wheat even though Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, very, very dry, likely losing production potential, it's just a bit, we can't, we literally can't give wheat away. So the wheat export sales are just hor horrific. 
you know, single digits every week. That needs, we need to see, you know, 20s and 30 million bushels, and we're seeing five to seven million bushels a week. So wheat uh, export sales really leave a lot to be desired. And that's just because there's a lot of other supplies available in the world beyond the United States. Well, Chip, I think we've covered it here. Any uh, last words you want to throw out before we shut it down? Well, I, mean, I would just say from a, from a producer standpoint, a farmer standpoint, um, you know, we, we really do have pretty good levels. This is an opportunity to clean up some old crop. The best opportunities on new crop we've had in months and months, nice rally in wheat. So, you, you know, from a producer standpoint, it sure looks a lot better. It was pretty bleak three months ago at the lows. This is an opportunity. We need to be doing something, you know, it, don't stick your head in the sand there. And I do think that longer term, um, we're, we're changing the name of the game a little bit with better demand and a problem in Argentina and longer term, I, I do think things could, uh, could get better. I'm not saying we're going to $5 corn and $14 beans, but I think maybe the, the next nine to 12 months are going to be better opportunities than we've seen in the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, you got to look at it as an opportunity and I think there's going to be more volatility. So get ready to, you know, have a little bit of a, uh, of a roller coaster ride, I think, into summer. So if guys want to get a hold of you, how do they do? Well, best way is just uh, probably call our office here, uh, 309-550-7213. Um, you know, we've got a website as well, uh, blueReefinc.com. But probably the best way is just uh, just give us a call. All right, Chip. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. That's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Chip Nellinger for being a guest on this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Regina Nardis on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And Aaron Fennell on Facebook and Twitter. You can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Moving Iron LLC has a website you can visit, movingironllc.com. Here you can find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from Moving Iron Blog. Throughout the year, there'll be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. And if you shop Amazon, please use the Amazon click-through at movingironllc.com. It won't cost you anything, and you'll still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find the podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, Regina Nargis and Aaron Fennell, out.